Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. The first scripture reading comes from the letter to the Romans, beginning in chapter 8, verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, here we are. The big day has finally come. We have walked alongside Jesus through the weeks leading up to his crucifixion, the season we call Lent. We have gathered at the tomb of Jesus and realized that he is not there. And we have watched and walked with the disciples who met the resurrected Jesus. And we declare with them that Christ is risen indeed. Jesus was alive after he died. He talked, he ate, he taught. He taught them things that prior to seeing him in his post-resurrection body, they could not understand. Danny was talking last week about how Jesus told the disciples in John's gospel that he would not leave them as orphans, but that the Holy Spirit would come to them and the Spirit would guide them in truth and teach them of everything he had taught them and remind them of everything he had said. In the beginning of the book of Acts, which is not where we're starting today, in chapter 1, we have the resurrected Jesus talking to his disciples saying, don't go anywhere, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift the Father has promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, Jesus said, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Of course, the disciples then still didn't get it. They said to him, is this the time when you will restore Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the days or the times when these things will happen. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. The disciples had to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit for 10 long days. And it happened on the day called Pentecost, a Hebrew harvest festival, when Jerusalem would have been brimming not only with residents, but with people who had come from faraway places to celebrate the Pentecost. Our scripture today takes us to that day. Now, hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. Tout à coup, un bruit vient du ciel, comme si un vent violent se mettait à souffler, et remplit toute la maison où ils étaient assis. Oreviste se lixem el tunger for die, som delta sai, o sete sai, pro quark einskeld of die. И исполнились те Духа Святаго и начали говорить на иных языках, как Дух давал им провещевать. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came the sound of a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews living from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, they crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, In all of our languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered at them and said, they are full of new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. 
Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, they are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy." And I will show portents in heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. And thanks be to my nice, my wonderful helpers. Luke tells us of the supernatural events that accompanied the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. There was a loud sound like a violent wind. Perhaps it was like a tornado if you've ever heard one of those coming close to your neighborhood. Or a hurricane. Or perhaps it was like being at sea in a storm. The sound was of a violent wind. But the wind did not destroy Then there was the sight of the flames, the tongues of fire that came and rested on the head of each person present there. I just couldn't help but think of a human birthday cake with everyone with flames atop their head. But the fire did not burn. The wind and the flames, as you well know, are signs of the presence of God. Danny spoke of the Ruach who breathed, the Hebrew word for spirit and wind and breath that breathed over the creation in Genesis, he, uh, that, that breathed life into the dry bones of Ezekiel's valley. And then the fire. We remember that the first time Moses heard from the Lord, it was from a burning bush that was burning yet not consumed. The Israelites were led by a pillar of fire at night. So when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, the Spirit came with these incredible special effects. The Spirit was loud. The Spirit was dramatic. The Spirit was disruptive. And the Spirit filled the disciples, and they were able to speak in languages that were not native to them. First of all, how surprised those disciples must have been to hear themselves. While I might not have been afraid, what really I marvel about in this text is that there is no mention of fear. Instead, the disciples erupt into this loud, and I imagine joyful, cacophony that 
sent them for, made them speak in languages and sent them out into the streets to be heard. Now, mind you, they were not speaking gibberish. They were speaking well-known languages that were not their native Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew. It is interesting uh, that Luke does not mention for us, Luke being the author of Acts, Luke does not mention for us uh, what exactly they said. Merely, we're told that they declared God's deeds of power. I wonder what those were. Do you think maybe they talked about the marvelous wonders of creation we witness every day? Do you think they spoke of the Lord's deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery or the giving of God's law? Do you think they talked about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection from death to offer new life for all people? Whatever they said, their miraculous speech attracted a crowd. And maybe, just maybe, they sounded something like this cacophony of voices speaking different languages before you today. Loud, strange, and joyful. So have you ever been in a foreign country and heard someone speaking American English. In fact, have you ever heard anybody speak in Southern English when you were far from the South? Well, it is a welcome sound to your ears, isn't it? Suddenly, there's somebody there for, from whom I can ask directions or an opinion or, or help. Um, someone who can converse with me in a way that I'll understand. I see this all the time with our students at the Abbey as they gather for lunch every Tuesday. And international students, while part of the larger group will separate them, some t- separate themselves sometimes uh, in like languages. And they will laugh and carry on. Sometimes they will have very serious and earnest conversations, but there is nothing like a common language to break down the barriers that divide us. And that is what happened on that Pentecost day. The Spirit came to build a new community. The old barriers are gone. The crowd, of course, they were amazed. They were perplexed. They wondered, what's going on and how did this happen? These are Galileans. They are not traveled. They are not scholarly. They are not natives of my home country. Is it perhaps that they have had too much wine? And Peter stands up among them. And I want to remind you that it wasn't just Peter who stood up, but the 11 disciples, all 12 disciples stood up. They all stood up before the crowd. And Peter says, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And then he does, he uses scripture, Old Testament prophecy of Joel, to explain what is happening on the day of Pentecost. Peter said God promised that God would pour out God's Holy Spirit on all people. And that men and women, sons and daughters, slaves and free would prophesy. Not just some people, but all people. God promised wonders and certainly they had seen wonders in those days. And everyone 
Just as Joel said, Peter said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So just as Jesus promised, the Spirit of God is poured out on the day of Pentecost. The promises of God are being realized and they are for everyone. Now, if you were to continue to read the second chapter of Acts, and I encourage you to do this when you get home today, you will see that Peter, that's not all Peter said. He stands up and he speaks to them confidently and boldly about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And then he invites all to baptism and repentance. And that day, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people joined the Jesus movement. Now, what a change we see in Peter and those other disciples. Those are not the same disciples we witnessed 53 days earlier when Jesus was on trial. The disciples who abandoned Jesus, Peter who denied even knowing Jesus. This Peter, these other disciples, they are changed men. They've got new words, new confidence, new communication skills. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit spills them out to bear witness to Jesus Christ. Now, the mission they were called to that day was not an easy one. They met with challenges at every turn. They would proclaim the story of Jesus to people who had only a couple of months earlier declared and shouted, crucify him. They would be opposed by religious leaders. They would take the message to foreign lands who worshiped foreign gods. They would at times be homeless and hungry, and many of them would die as martyrs. It was sort of just like Jesus had told them before he died. A time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are doing a service to God. That time did indeed come to pass. Yet, with dogged determination and great faith and the help and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit, they persevered. Although the Holy Spirit came in power on the day of Pentecost, I am quite certain that many days those first disciples felt powerless I don't know about you, but I feel powerless quite often. We find ourselves in situations when we are in above our head. We are not prepared. We don't know what to do or what to say. Whatever we do or say, it doesn't seem to be the right thing. Any action we take seems to be thwarted, and it just isn't any help. All we can do is wait. All we can do is pray, wait for help, sometimes wait for the next shoe to drop. Paul voiced our dilemma so eloquently in the passage Jimmy read to you this morning from Romans 8. He wrote, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have received the first fruits of the Spirit, 
we groan inwardly while we wait for, the, for our adoption and the redemption of our bodies. Just like those first disciples, just like the Apostle Paul, we in the church are in a waiting period. Jesus has come. Jesus has sent his spirit. And Jesus will come again in power. But in the meantime, there are things in this life that are not right, things that are hard, things that hurt. I don't have to tell you what our troubles are. You know them well in your own life, and you need only to turn on the news to hear more than your share of troubles around the world. And yet, we who place our faith in Christ trust that one day God will restore and make new all things when Christ comes again in power. In the interim, we wait with hope and gratitude, and we do not wait alone. Paul went on to say that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Since we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words according to the will of God. We need the Spirit, don't we? When Eric and I had small children, and we, li we lived in the Chicago area, and there was a day when we arrived for worship and there was no electricity in the church. <laughs> it was a large sanctuary, perhaps even bigger than this one. It was darker wood with darker stained glass. And there really wasn't all that much light in that sanctuary. And the minister that day stood up and said, is there any power in the church? Of course, she didn't have an, a microphone on, and so some people said, no. Some people said, maybe? Uh, a lot of them probably didn't hear her, so she raised her voice and she says, is there any power in the church? And folks started to catch on then. Enthusiastically, we said, yes, there is power in the church. Our all-powerful God, whom we know as Father and Son and Holy Spirit is always with us. We may feel powerless at times, but the Holy Spirit is with us always, our companion, our guide, our teacher. There is power in the church, but it's only God's power. It's our job to trust and believe. So we know today that the day of Pentecost was a one-time event. Those people received these remarkable gifts of the Spirit. But I have to ask you, are we still being filled with the Holy Spirit today? Or is being, I, I mean, I know we all, when we profess faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always with us. We are very clear about that as Presbyterians. But do we believe that the filling of the Spirit, the filling up of the Spirit, is only for those who call themselves Pentecostal? I have really good news for you. 
Pentecostal Christians are not the only ones who receive fresh, new, and enlivening winds of the Holy Spirit as we walk in faith. We Presbyterians look to the witness of Scripture where we see that in the book of Acts and in the epistles that follow in the New Testament, people are constantly being filled with the Spirit. This phenomena is well attested to throughout Scripture and throughout the history of the church. The refreshment of the Spirit comes to us in many ways. It could be a momentary empowering for a specific task or courage to persevere through something that's absolutely awful. It could be a word of scripture that comes to us with power in a fresh and new way. It could be a new sense of purpose as we worship and we serve God. The list goes on and on. But we can indeed be filled and refilled by the Holy Spirit of God while never alone, sort of like a balloon. There's always room for more. Now, Paul warned the, Christian, the Christians at Thessalonica of this, though. He said, don't quench the Spirit. Do not throw water, the water of your anxiety, your need to control, your inattention to the Spirit. Don't throw that water on the flame of the Spirit in your lives. Because you see, we can choose to ignore the Holy Spirit. And quite often, we just need to repent say, I'm sorry, and ask for the Spirit's help. Just as the Spirit did a new thing on the day of Pentecost, so the Spirit is still doing new things in our lives, in our churches, in our communities, and in our hearts. So if we are feeling low on the power and the fuel of the Spirit, we need only to earnestly ask the Lord to refresh us and revive us in faith. Recently, our family was at the beach, and I had the opportunity to sit on the beach for quite a while and watch these young men, and some older men, doing this sport called kiteboarding. If you are not familiar with kiteboarding, it is something where a person is propelled by something that looks like a parachute, like a sail that's very high up in the sky. And they ride along on something that looks, that's like a surfboard. And so they're surfing, being propelled by a huge sail. And that day, as I was watching these men learn, many of them learning, I saw that there were some real novices there. Um, some of them, would, with the instructor, with the help of their instructor, they'd get their kite in the air, and they would try to get on their board, but they would fall off, and they would be stuck in the water with this big kite blowing, but they didn't know what to do, and they had they needed help to get back on their board. But there were other people who were more proficient in kite boarding. Uh, there were some real advanced students there too, and they knew how to get on their board and catch the wind, and ride the wind, and with the wind. Now, the wind was not always blowing, I'm sure, in the direction that they wished it was. 
like the Holy Spirit. We don't know if the Spirit, when the Spirit comes and where it's going. Jesus said that. But they were able to agilely adjust themselves to the wind that day, just as we, as we grow in faith and in trust in God, can adjust ourselves to the wind of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit's not under our control. The Spirit's got the Spirit's mission, and that's the the mission of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are all together on God's mission. And it's our job as the church to try to be attentive to the blowing of the Spirit. So there's power in the church, but it's God's power. One more thing. Some of you know a writer named Annie Lamott. In a book she wrote years ago called Bird by Bird, she talked about going on a business trip, and this trip was making her a nervous wreck for some reason, and so she was running out to catch a plane, and she grabbed a devotional book on her way out the door and threw it in her bag, and when she finally settled down on her plane, she pulled out the devotional book, and she opened it to this. The Gulf Stream will flow through a straw, provided the straw is aligned with the Gulf Stream and not at cross purposes with it. Since this, it's true, isn't it? When we align ourselves with the Spirit, when we keep in step with the Spirit, we allow the Spirit to work in our lives. So since the day of Pentecost, the Spirit just keeps on coming and coming and coming, propelling the church forward with the gifts she needs. The Spirit will never let us stay where we are for too long, but directs us to where God would have us go. Sometimes the Spirit whispers, sometimes the Spirit nudges, and sometimes the Spirit powerfully propels us out into God's world for God's purposes. May we welcome the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Alleluia and amen.